0: Therapy roulette, consent event. Trauma disguised as comedy. Therapy roulette, consent event. If you don't have problems, then you're likely repressing shit and you should find a therapist who's not me. Hey, roulettes. Welcome back to another episode of Therapy Roulette, where I give you consent event. Oh, my God. My name is Michelle Bachi. I am your host. I did a stand-up comedy show recently at flappers in burbank it was really fun it was uncle clyde's comedy contest um which is it's like an audience voted comedy contest where the audience votes on their famous their their favorite comic i did not win i lost but it's okay i had a good time all the same comedy contests are a weird invention i guess Because comedy is very subjective. So I went into it thinking, I know I'm going to crush it. I know my five minutes is tight. But what does everyone else think? That's a big what if, right? So I just went to have fun and I had fun. It's funny because I got this Apple Watch recently and I was wearing it in the green room. And as it got closer to my spot on the lineup, my heart rate was like skyrocketing, it was so high. It's like it was as high as it goes when I go on the stair climber, and that's really high. It's like 150, and my BPM stayed at that like for a while until I had gone on stage, done my set, and gone off stage. It was uh, still like an exhilarating thing to just get back into stand-up and be on stage doing my five minutes, even though... I went into the show thinking this is no big deal. You know, I didn't even have like friends come to the show. So I wasn't trying to impress anyone in particular. And I was still so nervous and my heart was exploding. Ah, it's exciting though. I like that adrenaline. I like that. The hit of like, you're going to feel out of your body and you're going to feel like you're on a roller coaster that's trying to drop, but it's not going to drop and it's hard to find that feeling elsewhere, you know? That's why comics get addicted to the stage. They chase that feeling. I hope to keep chasing the feeling myself. I've been thinking I want to take a little bit of time off from doing live stand-up, like, you know, a month or something, where I'm not focusing on booking shows or going to open mics, but more so just writing at home, because I haven't worked on writing new material in a while, and I haven't works on developing a writing habit, which I really need. So I want to work on working on some new jokes from like my post-COVID life of being a homeowner and fixing a, a pretty broken house and how, you know, that tragedy can turn into comedy, I'm sure. There's gold in that. Um, it's funny because when we bought the house, like so much of our money went down the drain because so much of the plumbing was broken. So a lot of my savings sits in the pipes beneath my home and I have to start making that funny. And you know, other stuff too. I'm sure other stuff has happened in the past year to me, past two years, but the homeowner stuff really is at the forefront of my head all the time. Um, this is going to be a solo episode. It's just me. It's just Michelle. Welcome. Um, no guest today. I thought I would talk about friendship because I am reassimilating into "quote unquote" normal life. Meaning, like I'm trying to hang out with people. I'm trying to go do things. I'm seeing concerts again. I'm buying tickets to things. I'm going out to eat more. I'm trying to be a person in the world, and. What comes with that is making plans with people, is reaching out to your friends and saying, hey, do you want to get dinner? Do you want to go to this show? Are we still friends? Hello? Did you change your number? And so um, I've been thinking a lot about it. I wanted to mention a few articles that I, I read them. I actually read the articles. Thank you. Thank you. One was on Inc.com called The Scientific Reason It's So Hard to Make Friends as an Adult and What to Do About It by Jessica Stillman. And this is more of like a quick read with some stats in it, but it basically says that when you're an adult, you're a busy person, right? I mean, I've been working a full-time job the whole pandemic and it's, it's like a huge struggle for me to just like get up and do my job every day, do it well and still like have dinner and meditate for five minutes or, you know, that's what I'm telling you, but breathe for five minutes. It's hard for me to just do like a basic thing like that Monday through Friday. So adding anything extra to the mix is hard, but making new friends is super challenging. And according to this article, you have to spend hours getting to know someone before they can become your friend To give you a approximate time for someone to become a close friend. It takes 200 hours or more of spending time with that person for them to be your good, close friend. And if you just want a casual friend, someone who's jumping off the acquaintance train and becoming a casual friend, or maybe that's an acquaintance, I guess it depends on your definition, but someone who you're not as close to, but maybe someday you will be. A casual friend takes 50 hours on average. You have to spend 50 hours with someone to become casual friends. The article says this might sound depressing for adults who wish they had more friends in their lives. Yeah, it can be depressing. But they they, um, encourage people who want to make new friends to really embrace, if it's a work friend, doing something outside the workplace, you know hang out outside of work, maybe get a drink on the weekends or lunch or go to a museum or something like you got to get out of the workplace at some point. And they also talk about routines and schedules. And yeah, it sounds like friendship should be more spontaneous than a routine. But I mean, you're going to show up to your routines, right? So if you can book like a bi-weekly hike or you know a monthly dinner with a friend then you're more likely to do it and then you could invite a few people you can make it a group and they say if you if you start a group that group is more likely to keep in touch because one person could keep the group going for a while like if that one person keeps reaching out to the group then the group keeps meeting so not all the weight is on one person's shoulders. And I've, I found that in my personal life, like a group chat can stay alive for a long time if uh, if people jump in and they participate, you know? And friends are not to be neglected. You might think, oh, I could, I could reach out to my friends at any time. But then think of all the friendships that may have disappeared from your life or especially in the pandemic. Like, are you not as close with certain people? I know I'm... Certainly a little bit more estranged from certain people. Because time has passed. My life has changed. My friends' lives have changed. You know, you can't hold on to something if both parties aren't investing time and energy. Stillman writes, friends are a potent mood booster and stress buster. While loneliness can be as bad for your body as smoking a pack a day. Ah! Friends also help us stay resilient, open-minded, and effectively smarter as we age. Okay, I'll take it. I mean, honestly, all you have to say is stress. They're good for relieving stress. And they're, you know, it's so obvious when you say it out loud, but they're meant to help you feel less lonely. Friends help you feel less alone because their bodies and minds and personalities keeping you company. I've been so lonely in covid And I really haven't spent a lot of time with friends in COVID because, you know, the nature of the pandemic was, hey, isolate yourself. And I had my boyfriend and I had some interactions with friends over the past two years, but like sparingly. And it's always under the guise of the pandemic and things haven't felt normal in so long. It's, It's like a long way to get back to being less lonely. But I'm working on it. I've been trying to make more dinner, you know, dates with friends and coffee dates. I'm still a big proponent of the virtual hang. I've been scheduling Zooms. And dare I say it, hold on to your chair because I'm ready to start calling people. I'm going to make phone calls. I don't want to be lonely anymore. I want to (laughs) connect. And normally, you know... A few years ago, I would say, text me any time of day. Never call me. That's weird. But now I'm just going to start calling certain people because I haven't connected with them in a long time or they live far away. And I just want to catch up. And there's something about a phone call that you can't get over a text. A text is very one dimensional. I think we as a society have to be less afraid of phone calls. There's another article I read on friendship. This one is kind of... Um, heavier. It's called It's Your Friends Who Break Your Heart by Jennifer Senior, and it's in the Atlantic. I read this in two parts, and I just finished reading it before recording tonight. It's an important read because you don't want to take your friendships for granted. And there's this image on the page of the Atlantic with uh, a best friendship, Necklace in two parts, like the little broken heart best friend. And it's crossed out. It's so sad because friendships die. They wither and they die. They're like plants. You have to take care of them. You have to give them food and sunlight and attention and time. And it's sad when one grows weaker or disappears altogether. I'm not going to read much of the article because it's a little dense, but I do recommend it. There's one quote I want to share. So she mentions Laura Karstensen, the director of the Stanford Center on Longevity. Laura Karstensen told me during our chat that good friends are for many people a key source of unconditional positive regard, a phrase I keep turning over and over in my mind. Not her phrase, I should note. The term was popularized in the 50s to describe the ideal therapist-patient relationship. Carstinson had the good sense to repurpose it. Her observation perfectly echoed something that Benjamin Taylor, the author of the lovely memoir, Here We Are, said to me when I asked about his close friendship with Philip Roth. What I wanted to know made their relationship work. He thought for so long that I assumed the line had gone dead. That's another problem with phone calls. Can't tell if the person's still there. Philip made me feel that my best self was my real self, he finally said. I think that's what happens when friendships succeed. The person is giving back to you the feelings you wish you could give to yourself and seeing the person you wish to be in the world. I mean, mic drop, what a powerful statement. That's what you should be doing for your friends. That's what friendship should be. We should be reflecting our friend's best self back to them and bringing them up when they feel down, or even when they feel lukewarm, you know, saying, you're beautiful, you're so smart, you're talented, that idea is brilliant, just give them all the compliments, because it's very likely no one else is giving them the support that you are. For so long, I I tried to be my own support system, and I try to self-regulate and do everything in Isolation and I am tired of it. It's not uh conducive to getting out of isolation. So I'm done with it. I'm going to just start asking for help and giving out compliments and hopefully I get them back. I think in normal life, pre COVID times, I'm pretty good at maintaining my friendships. In New York, I was so good at this because you could walk anywhere and oh, boom, you, you're at dinner, you're at a club, whatever. It was so simple in New York and in L.A. it's you have to plan a drive and you have to I have to like get out of work on time to be able to be in the car on time. And it's much more involved in L.A. So most recently I planned a weekend trip with a few uh, girlfriends and we went up to San Luis Obispo slow, which is in northern California. It's like a part of wine country and also a college town. So there were some young, stupid people there, but overall it was beautiful. It was such a nice trip. And it was me and three female friends, and we just, like, had a peaceful, relaxing time. It was so precious. I never get that anymore. Living with Joseph is great, and I love him, and we have so much fun together, but it's never peaceful and relaxing. <laughs> and living with a man comes with its own sense of, like, head explosion moments all the time where you're like, Oh my God, what happened to the house? So this counter was just clean and now there's shit everywhere. Um, So going on a girl's trip was really nice because I had less noise, I had less mess. I didn't have to worry about real life stuff for a few days. I just drank a little bit of wine and I did a lot of walking. I did so much walking that I got a blister and that never happens to me. So look at me injuring my body for the purpose of treating myself well. (laughs) I injured my physical self with a blister. Not a big deal to get my mental health in a better place. And I think for this month in March, I'm hoping to organize a game night with a few friends. And I'm just trying to consciously devote more time and energy to my friendships because it's so easy to neglect them. Like you feel like your friends are not your family. They're not your parents. So they're not number one. But at some point... They are number one. It just depends where you are in your life at that moment. And reading these two articles online, I mean, they talk a lot about, especially this one in the Atlantic, it talks a lot about, like, the circle of life. Eventually, your family gets old and everyone you know is going to start dying. And let's hope you still have a few friends to hold on to because, I mean, that's going to be rough. In times of grief... I hope you have a friend. And I'm I'm 31, and I'm seeing now that if you don't give in your friendships, you won't have your friendships for very long. Sometimes there's irreparable damage that occurs, you know, fissures and cracks, and hopefully people forgive, or they say, no big deal, I, I understand you were going through something, but friendships are so magical and so... Pleading that you wanna take that time to, to hone them and cherish them. And that's why I schedule Zooms. And I hope that people show up. <laughs> it's funny because I I I'm surprised all the time that I'm such an organizer of things. Like sometimes I organize Zooms, I wanna host things, I scheduled this girls' trip technically. I don't know. I just try to get things done because I want them to happen. I want to be a part of them. So I try to facilitate a lot. And sometimes it gets tiring. I hope other people facilitate too. And sometimes they do. Um, it's hard to always be commanding the group. Last year, the past year has not been easy, mostly because of the house and like a lot of Um, hurdles and obstacles that we've experienced with the house. Everything's been really hard in the past year. I mean, I'm not talking like terrible. It's just been stressful. So I hope I've inspired you to call a friend or at least text someone. Texts are nice too. And I've also found you can just follow up with people. If they ignore you, they might not have ignored you. They might have just forgotten to respond. I've been getting that a lot lately where people are like, oh, I thought I responded to that. And um, I'm learning certain people are more typically guilty of not responding. So just follow up with people. If they're your friends, they will answer eventually. I miss my friends. I hope I see them soon. If you're listening, I love you. I miss you. And I'll be back in two weeks with a guest. And oh, if you have time and you have three bucks to spare, could you donate to support the podcast? You can go to ko-fi.com slash therapyroulette. That's coffee.com. Donate three bucks for good luck. It'll support the podcast and keep us going for season two. Thank you so much. And that's it. It's just a little solo episode today. I wanted to be as reliable as possible and make sure the podcast is coming out every two weeks. I'll be back in two Thursdays with a guest, more fun, more hijinks, more deep questions. Hey, I want to thank you personally for listening to the podcast. This has been Therapy Roulette, where I give you consent to vent. I would love to keep making episodes and putting out this podcast into the world. And in order to do that, people have to find out about it and they have to listen. So please leave a review if you have 10 seconds to spare. Reviews go a long way. Any app, any place on the internet, please leave a good review. Um, please tell your friends about the podcast. You could explain it, say it's about an honest mental health conversation. It's a little bit funny. It's a little bit deprecating. Or don't explain it at all and just send them an airdrop link and boom, they have it in their phone. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back with a new episode, not next Thursday, but the following Thursday. therapy roulette consent event trauma disguised as comedy therapy roulette consent event if you don't have-